Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. My guest today is a technology futurist who helps clients profit from technological, social, and business forces that combine to create opportunities. Yes, I'm talking about opportunities. That's what we want to talk about. We don't want to run from this. We want to run into it, and we need to be changing our attitude. That's what we get into in this episode. And how can we turn disruption and change into opportunities and advantages? Daniel Burris is also a disruptive innovation expert, a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, and he will show us what trends to look for to make predictions in this entire COVID-19. Daniel, welcome to All Business. Good to be with you too. And uh, hey, thank you for all the great work you're doing on the behalf of all your audiences. Uh, Everybody needs you right now, so thank you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's tough sometimes to keep the spirit up, but you got to do it because I say there's no there's no alternative. You can get depressed and down about it, but you know, it's better just to go ahead and 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 you know, deal with the changes and speaking with the changes. This pandemic has forced everyone to make changes. Do you think it'll be possible to make the new post-pandemic normal better than it was before? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, post-pandemic success will be determined by what you do now, not what you do post-pandemic. And I, uh, you know, right now we're at a defining moment for you personally, professionally, and in your business. You don't want to squander it. Uh, And I think a lot of people have said, well, we've hit the business pause button. Others have said, no, it's going to be more like a reset button. But I'm saying if you want to thrive, you should be hitting the transform button. Because frankly, the way it was wasn't that great in the first place. And we have a chance to sit back and look at our business model, which frankly wasn't really that good anyway. You were making money, but you were milking it. And instead, really use the forces that we know, those things that I say you can be certain about, those anticipatory forces to shape a better tomorrow for yourself. And by the way, I think it's all mindset. You You can be thriving now. You can be just hanging on and survive no matter what business you're in. And if you got, I, I could give you examples if you're interested, but uh, it's all about mindset. It's it's a lot about the mindset. And I'm telling people, I, I, I listened to a video this weekend by uh, Scott Galloway. I don't know if you know Scott. Yeah, I, I don't know him personally. I've heard of him, yeah. He's a very good guy, good friend of mine uh, over the years. I got to meet him back, whoa, many years ago when I was speaking at DLD in, in Berlin. And um, was on stage and we got to meet afterwards and found out he's a really smart guy. And, you know, like you, he's saying right now, years are represented by months right now. Months are represented as decades, you know, and days are represented as months. And it really, truly that the, the things it's moving at a faster speed. We would have been there years from now. It's just now shrunk together to say, look, you've got to make the change, right? Yes. And as a matter of fact, think of it this way. Um, Right now, digital disruption has not taken a vacation. Actually, it's accelerated. It's accelerated. Uh, For a couple quick examples, telemedicine. Well, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 36 years. I've written seven books and I was talking about telemedicine in the early 90s. And it's been growing kind of good, kind of good. But what's happening now? Boom, exploded. And I could go through 
innovation after innovation after innovation that has gone from this part of that hockey stick to whoo, way up here. Yeah, the tip. Have, have you noticed? And I, as you know, I talk about being anticipatory versus being agile because agility is reacting quickly after disruption disrupts, reacting quickly after a problem occurs. Being anticipatory is using the methodology of separating the hard trend future facts, which gives you certainty, from the soft trend assumptions, which are the ifs and maybes about the future, so that you can make bold moves and have the confidence to be a positive disruptor, creating the transformations that need to happen to make our world a better place. So how does one decipher between the hard facts and what might be the soft side of that? Yeah, a hard trend is a, again, it's a future fact. It's something that cannot be changed. Uh, for example, um, there's three categories. One is uh, demographics. I mean, uh, older people are not gonna all of a sudden get 20 years younger. We know as a future yeah. fact, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're alive on the planet, you will indeed age. And by the way, yeah. there's a lot that you can predict about that. And there's a lot of problems that you can see that you can either be pre, uh, pre-solve them before they happen, because you can predict them, or you can let them play out and react quickly after they happen. Technology is probably one of the biggest ones, and that's been an area of my expertise. I mean, you know, after uh, 5G, is that it? No, we're going to have 6G. Follow 6G. Me. <laughs> and, and is the... Uh, Seven, is the cloud, eight. I <laughs> know. Uh, and is the cloud getting full? Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. And is AI a, a, a fad? Uh-uh. As a matter of fact, uh, as you know, I've been tracking this accurately in all those books and articles and so on uh, for many years, and it's amazingly predictable. So here's the thing about certainty in an uncertain world. When you have certainty, you have the confidence to make a bold move. So what am I certain about? Number one, the pandemic will end. Digital disruption will not end. Mm. Matter of fact, digital disruption is accelerating right now. So are you positioning yourself? And I've got a very quick story if you've got just a, I, this sure. like a 90 seconder. Yeah, let's go. Concrete this with a couple of examples, because for the last seven weeks, I've been helping large and small companies change how they think so they can change their reality. Here's an example. Six weeks ago, um, I was contacted by, for a, a interview for the um, convenience store owners. I gave a speech to them 10 years ago and they loved it to the national owners and they all checked on me. So they said, look, we're having to close down. We're having to uh, lay people off because people aren't coming in for gas. They aren't traveling. Uh, You know, sales are down and we want to know what your view, when is this going to end? And my interview, what I said was, oh, you got to be hiring people. You got to be letting them off. Instead of being a convenience store, you got to become a necessity store. You've got a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers that are not taking people to restaurants and bars. They could be taking your products to your customers. And better yet, you could develop new customers that you never had before, deliver to them. And if you change your product mix and have a little less tobacco and have a little more fresh fruit and maybe some extra strength Tylenol, maybe when this thing is over, and it will be over, you will never go back to being a convenience store. Well, it's cut for six weeks uh, 7-Eleven, which was one of the CEOs in there, which was looking at laying people off, is that now hiring 25,000 nationally right now, new people. In yeah. other words, they change. What is it? Hey, it's about mindset. And if you got give one more quick one. Sure. 
All right, just to give you an idea, because I want everyone thinking different right now. You don't have to be no, but, but, but let's get let's look at Amazon. Amazon's the same way right now. Instead, he's got they're hiring more people than ever before, not going back. And quite frankly, Amazon's positioning, if you look at it, to be the pandemic free deliverer of products. They're actually going to certify their employees. They're putting them in masks. They're doing things. They're anticipating this. And they're looking about how they do it. What's the what's the next example? Uh, just another quick one. That, and, and, and I think when we give Amazon examples, a lot of people say, well, I'm not Amazon. All right, let's give you a non-Amazon example. Uh, I was contacted uh, by a uh, owner of a large uh, chain in LA of dry cleaners. And he said, our business is down 90%. I've actually got hundreds of employees because we are a large chain. 90% down, people aren't getting their suits and shirts and dresses all set up. We're in trouble. And I said, oh, you should be hiring people. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, let's just look. You've had your market. You know what your market is. You've been coasting on that market. But when something goes wrong here, one of the principles I teach in my anticipatory organization uh, leadership system is look the opposite direction. So let's look at who is growing instead of who's shrinking. And I said, well, we got drug stores. We got grocery stores. They are making record profits every month. What's their big problem? Well, their employees, they got to keep them healthy. So what, and they got extra money, by the way, and they want to pay money to keep those employees. So what do we do? Why don't we offer daily cleaning services of all of their employees' clothes so they don't have to go home and get people infected and can feel that they're safer when they're coming in? And what about first responders? They get their uniforms cleaned every twice a month. And those uniform companies can't clean them faster than that because they're at capacity. Why don't we clean those first responders on a daily basis? Anyway, long story short, that was four weeks ago. Now the guy is thriving and his business is actually growing better than it was before. My point, Jeffrey, yeah. and that is, look, you can sit back and say, I think I'll wait and see. And you know what? You're not going to be a happy camper. What you need to be is taking action now and using principles that by the way, I'm going to give people, you already know, Jeffrey, I'm going to give everyone a hardcover copy of my book free. All you have to do is pay a couple bucks for shipping. That's Go to awesome. DAO.com and you've got it. So I'm not even trying to sell you something here and learn how to do this stuff. That's awesome. That's a great gift and we appreciate it. We're going to be right back after this break. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. We're talking with Dan Burris, and he is the disruptive innovation expert, keynote speaker, best-selling author. He is a futurist beyond beyond compare, and he's live with us right here as we're doing uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, and we're on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. Hey, we had a question come in from Chris Yates. Is it harder to create a trend, be a leader during something already trending? That's a good question. Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. So all trends, instead of me saying, I'm the only guy with good trends, get rid of everybody else's, I've done something different than that. I put an overlay methodology on all trends. So I don't care what trend it is. What you can do is separate the wheat from the chaff. In other words, is this trend something that can be changed? I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. Can it be changed? If it can be changed, it's soft. And by the way, I like soft trends. Why? Because there's a lot of trends I don't like. For example, health is going up, 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 up. Been doing that for a long time. By the way, that's a trend. Guess what? That's soft. You could change that or you could write it out. Uh, and by the way, you could change that by using blockchain to uh, get more mm -hmm. transparency, et cetera. There's many ways you could change that. 
So uh, your sales right now might be going down, down, down. Well, like I mentioned in my other earlier examples, yeah, you can ride that out or you can change that. Change it. So you got to separate the hard from the soft. So the quick answer is, can it be changed? And if it can't be changed, it's soft. Or pardon me, if it can't be changed, it's hard. And that, therefore, here's one other little insight for all of you. A trend by itself, frankly, is worthless. Unless you tie an opportunity to it. The minute you tie an opportunity to a trend, it bursts into actionable light. So never say a trend unless you say, all right, so what's the opportunity? And all of a sudden you'll find a path forward. Yeah. Who cares about the trend if you don't use it? Bingo, Jeffrey. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, and I've always said an idea without implementation is only air. Same thing. Very similar. Uh, Like right now when restaurants start reopening, they're going to have to do distancing in there. And that means half the revenue, and that's going to be bad. Now, many of them have started to do online carryouts and things like that. Some have not even done that. They're still closed, which is really stupid. Instead, they got to realize that's a new part of their new reopen uh, effort. And by the way, if you're a high-end restaurant, you want to have a low-end experience on takeout. No, you want a high-end experience. Matter of fact, that could be your new growth engine. Let's think different. Right. It doesn't have to be the same thing. And don't just let Grubhub or the others take advantage of you on the restaurant. You know the customers. You know who I am. You know that I come in on a regular basis. You know, I spend, like, there's one restaurant I spend about 60 grand a year in. You'd think they'd pick up the phone and call me and say, hey, Jeff, I haven't seen you in here in six weeks. Can I bring you supper? Can I bring you dinner? You know, that that's the kind of things you need to be thinking about and not give up the money to somebody else in that food chain, so to speak, and, and let somebody else deliver it. So how do you align your company, your team to foresee the trends and expect changes within an industry? Well, uh, as you know, uh, with this uh, system I've had, uh, by the way, the learning system's been around for a while. I've been doing this for many years. I've got the Department of Defense uh, using it. I've got uh, small companies, large companies. And what they do is once they learn how to separate the hard trends from the soft trends and the related opportunities. Again, the opportunity to separate or to change the soft trend or to take advantage of the hard trend. Then what you do is you, there are so many, you bring them down to a few must do's and you take action. And what you'll find is that there is so much opportunity that you was invisible to you. Things that you couldn't see that now become visible and bingo, you can see them giving you a way to go forward. So, Dan, I I suspect as we come out of it into what's called the new work order, I don't know what that is yet, but but I imagine there's going to be some different changes. What are you seeing as a CEO to CEO that I should know that that I should be ready for? I I see distributed workforces, things like that, less real estate. What what are I've been uh, taking calls from a lot of C-suites from Fortune 10s on down. And, uh, and one of the big questions they're asking is, um, w- we've been working remote. When we come back, we remote, can I get rid of my real estate? Can I cut down on my offices? Yeah. And one of the things I've been saying, and this is true for all of it, is principle I've been teaching. It's the both and principle versus the either or principle. So instead of it'll all cars will be autonomous or they won't be, or instead of everybody's going to be remote or they're not going to be, you have to look at, we're going to come back and redeploy these in a better, newer, more efficient way. It's both. So in this case, some humans, some of your best workers are thriving right now as remote workers. Some of them 
are good people and smart, but they need the company of others to really thrive. Well, right now we're trying to find, we're finding out who they are. And by the way, as a C-suite executive, why aren't you getting the best practices from those people that are doing it really great and share them with the people that are struggling? That might not be a bad idea. So my point is, it's a both-and principle coming back. You're going to come back with more remote, just like with education. We're not going to come back when all the kids are actually back in school, which will be a little while. We're not going to say, well, let's get rid of the idea of doing any education by remote. I think universities down to kindergarten are starting to learn, hey, maybe there's some new things we could do here. So... You were the one of the, you were the the first and only technology futurist to accurately identify the twenty technologies that would drive business and economic change for decades to come. That was in the early eighties. I remember back then. What? Yeah, what, AI how, was how on did, that list, and all you know, all yeah. that stuff was there to see right then. So let's. I want you to. I want to know how, and I'm going to take a break and come right back. C-suite radio. All right, we're back. Again, we're talking with Daniel Burris, who's also a disruptive innovation expert, a keynote speaker, best-selling author, and he's going to show us, and he's been telling us some of the trends that we need to look forward uh, look forward to or watch out for as part of our getting back to normal, whatever that is. I never knew what a normal was. That normal's never been in my vocabulary, and for most entrepreneurs, it's never been normal. So whatever it is, it's normal. That's the new normal. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Normal was always boring anyway, wasn't it? it yeah, boring. I, mean, I like that. More, I think all of the retail guys that are in trouble had a normal retail outfit. It was yeah. those that were exceeding expectations, those that were giving us pleasant surprises that are thriving. Totally. And that's the way it should be. So we talked to, right before the break that you identified 20 technologies that really were the push forwards into, into the future of what we've got now. How did you do that? Uh, well, what I did is I spent, uh, I had started, as you know, I think six businesses over time and they all did well. So I don't just write books. And uh, I sold a number of them back in the early 80s and started this research company. So I researched global innovations all around the world, spent about a year doing that before starting the company, and developed what I called a taxonomy of high technology, meaning uh, a way to categorize them. And on there was digital, on there was the internet. It actually existed. The web didn't, but the internet did. Universities yeah. were using it. All of the, even email existed in the early 80s. It's amazing. Fiber optics existed, and, but most people didn't know about them. Even that was, that was before AOL. Existed. Before even AOL. Moore's law existed. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and remember, that was back when we were doing DOS and they hadn't even released the first Mac yet. So, yeah. uh, so I was able to come up with all of these that today is still the list. And uh, I know we don't have a lot of time on the interview, but if you go to Burris.com, I will give you a list of my current hard trends, technologies that are driving future, uh, the future that are getting more powerful exponentially every year. It's more time than we have to share right now. So go there, download the list and bingo, you got it. What's the one thing you'd tell somebody right now to pay attention to? I would tell them that, uh, again, digital disruption is not slowing. And if you are trying to get back to the way it was, uh, you're going to struggle because we're not going back. I mean, I write a Harley Davidson because there's no reverse. You can't go back. You can only go one way. So instead of going back to as close to the way it was, you need to be thinking transform versus change. Change as you make adjustments. Transform as it looks and feels very different. 
and we have the tools to make it different and better or to just change it and try to be a little more efficient, a little more effective. By the way, you're either going to be the disruptor or the disrupted. There will be no middle going back. Remember that one, disruptor or disrupted. I would rather be using hard trends to be a positive disruptor than to be a receiver of the dis and become the disrupted. And that is about taking some time to think, to plan, use this time to be thinking and planning, listening to all of the resources you produce, Jeffrey, with your wonderful system. And, uh, and so I hope to do the same and do this, that same yeah. type of thing so that we can use this as a time to transform what's going up here because our biggest limitation is not social isolation. It's mental isolation in our business models and our way of thinking. So why do you, why do you think some of us get it, some of us don't? Like, like immediately I said, you know, my team and some of the folks were saying, oh, no, we can't do this. I said, bullshit, we're running into the fire. We have to become business first responders. I mean, that's our job. Our job is, I, look, I've said this before, I can't, I can't help people. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I can't even sew a mask. But what I can do is help businesses, and I can help myself. And by helping myself is I'm going to change. We're going to go this way. You know, we were doing meetings this way. Now we're going to do them all online, and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, our, again, the hockey stick. I'm in the hockey stick, and I'm at the tip of the hockey stick. It's amazing to be able to watch it. Why do you think some get it and some don't? Well, I think a lot of them let the are not actively shaping the future. They're in a passive receiver mode. Uh, so they're passively, they're passively receiving it, and they've got a wait-and-see attitude right now. They're looking at the fire, and they say, I'm not going to run into the fire, not realizing that is it really a fire or is the fire really an illusion, uh, and really it's opportunity. So let's say if we put the death and the people and the pain of yeah. what's going on in our hospitals, because I don't want to undermine that. No, we don't if want we to do put, that. Yeah. No, no, no. So if we put the tragedy of this to the side, what has happened with the pandemic is it's the biggest opportunity that ever happened on the planet. And the people that are fighting that are the ones that will suffer going ahead because they have a wait and see or they're fast reactors. And one thing that we've learned about agility in this crisis is that you can't pivot fast enough. That's why you need to get ahead of the game and be anticipatory, pre-solve predictable problems. So what can you predict will be a problem when you get back? And why don't you pre-solve it now so you don't have it in the first place? Why don't you look at the technology trends that are shaping and growing on that hockey stick, getting an accelerator right now, and use them to transform your business model and grow faster than you would have grown in the past? So there will always be, to answer your question, the bell-shaped curve. Those who already get it, those who will never get it, and then this big group in the middle. And I think what you and I work on is the big group in the middle, because if we can move them a little bit, you can change yeah. the world. Yeah, I call it the rule of thirds. A third always get it, a third never do, and there's a third that might get it, and we're trying to do our best to help them, and you're doing that. Dan, give, give the book uh, the book giveaway again. Give me the address for that. Yeah, the the book, name of the book is The Anticipatory Organization, but to make that easy, it's V-T-H-E-A-O-Book.com. I'm actually giving you a hardcover copy, not a digital, and uh, all you do is pay a few bucks for shipping. And if you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, you can get access to all of the trends and stuff that we didn't have time to get through. All right. Well, well thanks, my friend, because it's always a pleasure to have you. It's, a, it's great to be able to share the stage with you so many times. And I thank you for all that you've done for us. I appreciate it, Dan. Good to see thank you right you. here. 
At the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned, and we've got a great guest that's coming up. We're going to be talking about wine and about how to pivot a little bit and change the business, because you can imagine the wine business has changed quite a bit. Even though it's gone up, there's a lot that's still changing on it. We'll get to that in just a minute. But with Daniel, I'll tell you what I learned. You know, a lot of people are talking about either or. You got to do this or that. Uh-uh. Daniel says both and. Both and. That's what I learned. And the other thing I learned, let me tell you something. Defining moments. He said, right now, what you're doing right now is a defining moment for your future. Don't you forget this. What you do now, how you how you face the storm, how you face this crisis, and what you do right this minute will impact you for the rest of your life. When your kids ask you, hey, dad or mom, what did you do during COVID-19? You tell them you, you're not, you didn't shrink. You, you, you drive and you thrive. That's what you do. And one of our great guests today is Becky Boo. Becky owns multiple businesses and in very different fields. She's a retired nurse and owns Profile by Sanford, a healthy weight loss franchise in Nashville. And she owns not one, but two wineries in Napa Valley. You know, she's been a friend of mine for many, many years. We actually went to college together. We lived down the road from each other. We know each other's families. We've grown up together. It's just been awesome. But she owns Jessup Sellers and Handwritten Wines. Oh, and as I said, she lives right here in South Dakota. Did I say that before? (laughs) I'm very proud of people in our state because of what they do. And we've done a few virtual wine tastings that you're going to hear about, how she's pivoted the business completely from being a business that you had to go in and see them to a business they go out and see you, and they're doing it all digitally. It's amazing. So, Becky, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks, Jeff. Gosh, you're making me thirsty, buddy. Yeah, we need some more. I I have, you know, well, of course, I'm a member of, of your clubs, your wine clubs. I get the wines. I'm a member of a number of wine clubs. Uh, but, you know, business is up for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it was really fun. I checked in for sure with our general manager yesterday. I mean, we've been staying connected really well. Of course, it's, there's some interesting challenges when you live in South Dakota and your business is in California. Or in or in Tennessee, as the case may be, but you know it's just great um, conversations going back and forth all the time. And I think when I asked Trace yesterday, I said, "Okay, what are you you know most proud of that we maybe had in place before all this hit?" And what she said was database and yeah. relationships, and so and then some systems that we already had in place as far as telesales. But then we really did have to pivot and kind of create this virtual tasting world, which we hadn't done before. Um, we had done, we would do uh, wine on location kind of tastings where we'd fly our person to Chicago and they'd meet you at your club or at your home and you'd get your friends together. But then we had to um, pivot to make that virtual. And I feel like we've, like you said, it's been successful. I'm really excited about it. Um, and just so thankful for what our team has had to, um, you know, create and be innovative and imagine and all those good things. So for you, you've got two businesses. You've got profiles which help people with weight loss. Now, how's that business going versus the wine? Now, the wine, but we all know wine business, liquor business is up like 20, between 20 and 50%. Um, so it's actually been pretty good. But again, there's a pivot with that because the traditional model for, because you don't sell your wines in a lot of retail locations. I do know that, right? Yeah, yeah we're direct. direct 
we're direct to consumer. And so I don't know if our team would give such a rosy picture as you just has, but um, because of course we rely on clients to walk into our tasting rooms. I mean, that's, we want to create this experience and have, we have beautiful places right there in Yauntville, two tasting rooms that have been closed since, you know, the middle of March, I suppose. And um, with the way things are in California. Oh yeah. 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 All the mustard, all the beauty, everything. you know, we're hoping that maybe by the end of May, we'll be have our doors back open. But we are very fortunate con- compared to other businesses where we do have um, certainly a um, appetite that people have an appetite for wine during all of this. And we've got, um, you know, we can ship, you know, thank goodness that people are still ordering things and shipping to their door and which is good. So tell me about uh, so how's the weight loss business doing? How's that business doing? You know, I would say it's 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 been tough because that is a model that was based on face-to-face coaching in storefronts. Right. We have three storefronts in Nashville, one in West Nashville, one in Brentwood, and one in Hendersonville. And they're just lovely places that you want to go in and they just look healthy and bright and inspiring. And we have wonderful coaches. So that, I would say that team really had to pivot to virtual coaching, but it was fun. I also checked in with Leah. We've got a great manager there as well. And she's just so proud of her team because they have figured out that maybe their relationships they're building virtually have even become stronger than they had face to face because they're having to work harder, you know, and they're really being intentional about asking people about how they're doing. And they have this great acronym they use. It's called FORD, F-O-R-D. And so they always check in with people on how's your family? uh, How's your occupation? How's your recreation? And how are your dreams? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I think they're finding this sort of depth of conversation that they maybe didn't get to or didn't work as hard at in the storefront. So it's been that, interesting. Did that, that did that come from did that come from the franchise or did that come from the team? Uh, I think it came from the franchise. So the franchise is from oh. Stanford Health here in South Dakota. Yeah. yeah. So we. Oh, but that's, but that's what the franchise should be doing. That's why I was curious yeah. if it came yeah. from the franchise to say, "Hey, we're going to focus on this," and that's a real simple thing to to to, to tie into, uh, so that you can focus around those those four aspects, which I think is a balance piece. What was what was the I can imagine as a small business owner and, you know, although it's a pretty good sized business, both of them, um, but also my own business. What was your first thought when this thing hit? Oh, (laughs) well, was it, was it panic? Was it panic to some extent? I wouldn't say that, you know, I think everybody reacted differently. You know, we, Mm. um, I always go back to this quote that Dr. Joyce Nelson, my nursing professor at Augustana University taught me, and it's begin with people as they are and the situation as it is. And so I think we just had to look at, you almost have to look at each of your team members individually, each business individually, each state individually. And so I wouldn't say that we panicked, but I would say that we were just gathering a lot of information and listening, you know, how is everybody doing? You know, I think the first thing you care about is the safety of everybody. And um, then you start 
getting creative. And I did want to thank you because I think about the time that now I can't remember the name of your conference that you had a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the battleship um, conference. Yeah. The battleship conference. Yeah. And it was right before that, that I decided to jump in and become part of your network. And I think right at that time I was feeling kind of, Oh my gosh, you know, and everybody was just, you know, you, you get kind of negative, you know, and it's hard yeah. to look forward. And I think there were a lot of speakers that I heard that week that just kind of made me feel like, Hey, it's okay to, you know, we can do this. You know, it doesn't pay to just sit and worry. You know, you're not going to get anything done just sitting home watching Netflix and drinking wine, although that's okay. But, um, you know, that's you okay, have to sit at man. home, but you can still do a lot. It's not going to get you where you want. Hey, speaking about getting where I want, I need to take a, a quick break and come right back after this word. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back and we're live. We're doing a live cast on LinkedIn and Facebook as we're taping an episode of All Business with Jeffrey Hazel right here on C-Suite Radio. Of course, C-Suite Radio is the world's largest business podcast network, and we are one of the top headliner shows. And of course, you know, hey, I own the network, so what the hell? So I always get uh, premier billing. There you go. But nonetheless, well, we have great guests. And one of our great guests today is Becky Boo, Boo, who is the owner of Profile by Stanford in Nashville and Jessup Sellers and Handwritten Wines in Napa Valley. And we're talking about, you know, the struggle, the struggle of doing what we need to do and why. And, um, and also the motivation, inspiration, education that you need as part of this. It's always important to be able to reach out to others. And, and she's been a good friend of mine and our family for many years. And so we're glad to have her. I even knew her dad. Her dad used to be in the legislature in South Dakota yeah. when I was a lobbyist. You know, he was, he was, okay. I, and, you're, and, you're, and he was always a pleasure to talk to. I don't ever thought, think I ever saw your dad unhappy. I think you're right. And he loves being in peer and anybody who's in that environment, it's fast paced. You know, he spent 10 months of the year being a farmer and then two months putting on his suit and being in the legislature. And the thing he always liked to say was, oh, a lot of those people just like to hear themselves talk. Yeah, that's true. Well, and they do. There's a lot of those. I'd rather see him drink wine. Speaking of wine, how did you get in the wine business? Well, that's a pretty long convoluted story, but the short version is our dear friends, Vance and Janet Thompson. We started traveling out there with them, gosh, 20 years ago. We'd go every fall and we always kind of joked about, wouldn't it be fun to have a part of the Napa Valley because we quickly fell in love with that. And for anybody who's been there, you know, I mean, the beauty is unparalleled and the food and the wine. It's, it's magical. As my friend Vance always says, it's like adult Disneyland, right? Yeah. So um, so we did have the opportunity to uh, invest in a winery, ultimately ended up owning the winery, and that was Jessup Cellars. And so that one, I'm sure we've had 15, 16 years, and then we had the opportunity to um, start a second label, which is handwritten, which really celebrates all these different cab varietals across the different ABAs in the Napa Valley. So they each have a tasting room in the beautiful village of Yontville, one in the north end and one in the south end. So we call them Noyo and Soyo. And the wine is made in more of an industrial space in South Napa. So when you started the second brand, why? Why would you start a second brand? Why wouldn't you just keep adding on to what Jessup has? Well, I think if you've been out there, you realize that there are so many. I mean, there's, I don't know, 400, 500 
wineries. And so everybody kind of plans their trip and you want to go to maybe two, three, four a day, depending on how ambitious you are or how good a driver you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we just knew we wanted to create another experience. And so it's been interesting to try and keep them differentiated while also keeping our team very cohesive. And I think we've done that. You know, we have the same winemaker for both brands, but his creativity and his his ideas are and his uh, thoughts on what new wine to make and which brand it should be slotted into are just endless. Yesterday for um, Mother's Day, I tasted our newest rosé that was under the Jessup Cellars label. And it's by this unusual grape that I hadn't even heard of from Mendocino County. And oh, stunning. So I got to bring you a bottle of rosé today. Okay. I love that. Love that. Well, I, but I think it's also smart that you, that you did that. And I, this is one of the things I wanted people to listen to is like, in one case here, you got, you build up this good clientele, you build up this great list as they, they said, that's in the data, it's in the data. Okay. And you build this up and then they, they have this wonderful experience and then they go, well, where else should we go? And you would have had to send them to another winery, another competitor, or, you know, a, a, even a friend. friend. No friend, friend, sir, and we do that. Still, yep. Yeah, which you do. You have to do. You want to do because then you're very, very authentic and real. But now you can send them to just down the street, you know, yeah. to another one that you own, which I think is a very smart move. Very Thank smart. You. Yeah, it's it's been really exciting. And who came up uh, with that idea? Who came up with that idea? To do the second brand. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that came came from our team, from our winemaker. Um, he really knows his grapes, and he's a great. Uh, you know, I think he just inspires us to think bigger. And uh, it's been just a really fun journey to start one of the brands really from the bottom up. Well, one of the things I, that I have seen you do, and we've done them, you, we've done them as, as couples together uh, with Vance and, and, uh, and Jana and ourselves and, uh, and, and you and Dan, but also I recently held one for the C-suite, which was a huge success. All right. I mean, huge. Um, not only did everybody, you know, we had, we had, I limited it to 15 cause I wanted to limit it to the, those people in the square of zoom. Cause I didn't want to have to scroll to another one, another one. Now you might not have liked that, but I like to do that as a host because then I can keep kind of control of the room and the ambiance and the experience, right? Because I'm using That's it smart. as a recruiting event, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Listen, folks, I'm using this as a recruiting event. This is a way for me to get people who come in at a very high level, 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, and I'm doing it with the wine tasting. Now, at the same time, I, you know, what was really cool is, um, is just the, the, it was virtual, it was virtual. Do you think the virtual is going to stand out above the the in you know in person kind of tastings? Well, I think it will for a little while here. You know, yeah. um, I I think we're just scratching the surface with yeah. what we can do virtually. You know, I mean, the other thing we've been doing is. Um, you know, doing these Facebook live kinds of experiences. And this afternoon you can jump on it. I think it's five o'clock central time where our chef Emily is going to show you how to make butter at her farm, you know? And so there's all kinds of those learning things. So I think it'll be kind of a both and, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, they lift each other up. And um, so I think 
um, I think we're just in the infancy of this, don't you? Yeah, I do too. I think we it's accelerated what was already going to happen. And we knew, we learned that from uh, listening to Dan Burst just a few minutes ago as a futurist. But it's a, it's talking about what's going to what the future is going to look like. And it's just going to be changed a little bit. And I think it's all for the better. Speaking all for the better, I need to take a quick break and I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back uh, right here live, we're live casting on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, as we're doing every single day with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett as we bring you uh, interesting uh, businesses and insight into the ways in which that we need to move forward to drive and thrive. You know, and that's what I'm telling everybody right now. Don't sit back. You drive and you thrive. You get your business moving. If I need to come and kick you in the butt or somebody does or whatever it has to happen, look, we've got help for you. There's people here. We've got coaches and trainers and authors and speakers and thought leaders to help you. We have inspiring stories like the one we're talking about right now with Becky Blue. Becky is the owner of Profile at Sanford in Nashville and the owner of two wineries, Jessup Sellers and Handwritten Wines, two of the best wines in Napa. Listen, folks, check them out. And we're talking about how they've pivoted a little bit. You know, they have these beautiful, beautiful um, wine tasting facilities, uh, pouring rooms that they have in Napa and Yonville right there. Beautiful facilities, a brand new one, in fact, that they've got with their handwritten wine. And if you go there, you have this wonderful experience. Well, now they've recreated it in a tasting virtually with friends. And I had 15 couples from all over the country, Texas and Oklahoma. And I mean, you name it, we were all together. And we were in Denver, in Pittsburgh. I'm trying to think of New York. And it was awesome. And it was so much fun. It just changed the way that we looked at it and, and, and the business itself. But, but it was good for business too, Becky, because look, everybody signed up and paid. Everybody came. I, I got to imagine you probably sold 30 or 40% of the people there, a month, the, the, the club. I have to think it was that high. I don't yeah, know. I yet. think it's still, I think people are still responding. So it's well, just, God, I'm going to chase them down because it's, a, <laughs> you got to do this. I mean, what, life's too short not to have good wine and whiskey. That's the that's best right. way. And bacon and bacon. Lots of bacon. And just so people understand, we we tailor it to your yeah. you and your friends' tastes. You know, do you want all reds? Do you want all whites? What do you want to taste? Uh, you know, and we and we ship you the wine, and and then you uh, you are led through. You don't really have to do anything; just be the gracious host, like I know you were, Jeff. Ellen said you were great at engaging everyone, and um, so then we'll have our wine educator on Zoom with you, who takes through each of the wines and and you learn you learn about where the grapes come from look because look i i don't i'm not a smart guy and i'm not a snobby guy so i'm pretty straightforward so i like i like everything from two buck chucks to 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 thousand (laughs) dollar bottles of wine as well i like what i like and i've always liked everything that they make especially their cabs are from that stag's leap region i love that their pinots are from down they're uh, in, uh, down south. Santa Rita Hills. Yep, Santa Rita Hills. Oh, Southern God, they're, they're awesome. And mm-hmm. so I love those. And, of course, the whites are just uh, spectacular, too. So we always try a white and usually a couple of reds, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about three wines is probably enough. I don't know. Were you on together about 90 minutes or so? Yeah, something like that. We had a great time. Yeah. And, and and then our neighbors actually did this with us. And, and they brought their wine over. And we, between four of us, we finished six bottles of wine. That was, Ooh. that was a lot. Okay. 
because we ended up staying up very late. And so we broke quarantine and we had a great time. So I encourage everybody to do that. So, so have a, because what I tell you what you find in these kinds of things is some people like this wine and some people like that wine. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon you ended up with a bottle or two of your own, which is always kind of good. Hey, Daniel Lebrod, who actually was with us on the tasting, he wrote the following question. He just sent this in. Do you think it's any more difficult to go from delivering content as watching only on Facebook Live versus interacting with customers on a Zoom call? Well, that's interesting. How is your team reacting mm -hmm. with just like, you know, like delivering content where they can only watch on Facebook yeah. versus uh, doing stuff where you can interact? Well, I think they've made it as interactive as they can on Facebook Live. Um, you know, certainly we we promote it to our wine club members. So then they're already kind of engaged with us and know us. And so they'll pop on and ask questions like your friend just did. And they're always like, oh, hi, hi, Lori, glad you jumped on. You know, I mean, so it's, you really feel like you're kind of there. And yeah. um, so, you know, I think... And it keeps evolving, you know, compared to the first Facebook Live we maybe did at the beginning of April to the one today where they're going to show us how to make butter. I mean, it's just, it's been such a learning time, hasn't it? It's just crazy. Yeah, it, really, it has been. I mean, like I would have said, there's no way I'm going to do a daily podcast. No way. It's nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Nobody wants to listen. And it's quite the opposite. I get more people who write in every single day who say we are inspiring, we're educating, we're motivating. You know, uh, we're giving them a kick in the pants when they need it, and, and we're caring when we need to be caring. So I think that's that's a really cool thing. I, I think no matter what it is, you know, you know, we know that this is a tough experience for everybody. We know it's tough in some cases where there's there's death, um, some cases where there's loss of business, but um, but you know that we would face every day, no matter what, anyway. Yeah. And and it's about what we can do that's different and enjoy life and. And I love to see great products like you, you're making and things you're doing with profile and changing people's lives so they have a better life. That's what it's all about. Yeah, thanks. You know, I think of here in South Dakota, and I know you love our western part of our state, wide open prairie and the bison. And I think of how those bison, when the storm comes, they just are standing firm and face straight into the wind right. and straight into the storm. And I think that's what we all need to do right now. Exactly. But let's do it by tasting a little wine. Let's do that. Let's do that. Hey, we're talking with Becky Blue, uh, the owner and CEO of Jessup Cellars and Handwritten Wines out in Napa and the owner of Profile by Sanford in Nashville. And uh, check it out. Jessup Cellars, J-E-S-S-U-P, Cellars and Handwritten Wines, and of course, uh, Profile. Becky, thanks for joining us on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks, Jeff. At the end of every show, of course, I like to talk about what I learned. I liked the Ford analogy. I love that. The family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. I mean, what is it that you have in place for your business that you reconnect and ground with your clients, your customers, some way of ritual that you check in with them on an ongoing basis? See, we didn't do that before the pandemic as much as we're doing now, and now we're all checking in. So figure out a way in which you can do your best to make sure that you put your values up front in checking in with the people that you love the most, which are your customers who give you money. I love those people. Anyway, that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And um, don't forget, tune in to not only this show, but other shows on C-Suite Radio. Thanks for listening.
You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.